For those who prefer Linux or are simply curious about Linux and other open source technologies, this is Category 5 Technology TV. Broadcasting from Barrie, Ontario, Canada, get ready for a unique and interactive viewing experience. And now, here's your host, Robbie Ferguson. Welcome to episode number 267 of Category 5 Technology TV. It's Tuesday, October the 30th, 2012. Nice to see you. Hey, everyone. Hey, Spider-Girl. Spider-Man. How you doing? Great. Good. Yourself? Uh, a little sore. I've been working out, you know, <laughs> eight hours a day. Very nice. <laughs> Those are Look real at your ripped. It's great. Fantastic stuff. Hey, we've got a great show for you tonight. Tonight, we have a very special guest. Anti-Malware Man is here on the show, joining us from Malwarebytes.org. Stick around. We're going to be talking to him in just a few minutes' time. What do you got coming Excellent. up in the news? Well, coming up in the newsroom, several New York-based news sites went offline in the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy. Um, have you shopped at Barnes & Noble lately? You might want to call your bank. Nintendo's new Wii U console will be sold at a loss. The PlayStation 3 Master Key has been le leaked by hackers. And... Mm. Google's new Nexus 10 tablet beats Apple's Retina display at 300 DPI. Stick around. These stories are coming up later in the show. Excellent. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Just was admiring the physique. <laughs> hey, if you've got a mobile device, mine isn't working too, too well tonight. I think it's broken or it might be the Spidey fingers. I tried using my Spidey sense. It doesn't really... Uh. It's not responding... Unbelievable. But if you've got one and you're not wearing these crazy gloves, visit m.cat5.tv for our mobile site. Very special site that allows you to watch the show through your mobile device. Check it out. Very cool stuff. Also, we love to receive your postcards. Snail mail postcards, letters. Spider Girl, how can they send those in? They can send them in to Category 5 Technology TV, P.O. Box. 29009 Barrie, Ontario, Canada, L4N7W7. Thanks, Asha. You're welcome, Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we've got, a, like I say, a, an awesome show tonight. We've got some stuff to give away. Stick around. We've got uh, stuff for you in the chat room as well. I'm gonna, how am I going to work Drawbot? I didn't even think about that. I can use my fingers. It's kind of like, yeah, okay, I'll show you, I'll show you what to tap. All there right. Go, okay, right there, there, and oh, Jot. There we go. Hey, Jot. Yeah, you see a lot of people in the <laughs> chat room there. Andrew Jameson is joining us. Garby, nice to see you. GWG, uh, Chosen, C. Davis, uh, G Pop, Seven. A couple of guests in there as well. Hey, if you're a guest, make sure you rename yourself. Uh, somebody in the chat room will teach you how to do that, but uh, it's important that you do that if you'd like to participate in our prize giveaways tonight. So. Do that up. All right. And we will be right back. We've just got to take a quick break. And uh, after the break, we're going to be talking to uh, uh, Anti-Malware Man. Anti yes, that's It's right. not Malware Man. This is the good guy. Anti-Malware Man. Fighting malware. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. At EcoAlkalines, we believe you should be able to trust your batteries not just here, but here. 
here and here, but with one exception, you should also be able to trust your batteries here. EcoAlkalines are the world's first and only certified carbon neutral battery manufactured to the highest standards of recycling and quality, without any trace amounts of harmful chemicals like mercury, lead or cadmium. EcoAlkalines provide performance that rivals leading national alkaline battery brands at a comparable price. Find out more about the EcoAlkalines difference. EcoAlkalines.com Oh, you are watching Category 5 Technology TV. Category 5 TV is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Thanks, Asha. Yeah. Uh, Adam Kajawa is joining us tonight. He is anti-malware man. Adam, it is so great to see you. Hey. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for, uh, for being a part of the show tonight. Anti-malware man fights the evil malware that is out there afflicting our computers, our internet, slowing things down, right. stealing our info, stealing our identities. Protecting the web. I'm all about the web, being all spider girl. <laughs> I got to do it. Yes, right. <laughs> Let's talk about the web and how malware bites is able to uh, help protect us. Great to have you on the show, Adam. Here. So, one of the things about the, the modern web is that, obviously, it is just, it's a wasteland of danger out there. Uh, Malwarebytes is one of the best products, in my, in my opinion, uh, to help protect Windows users from some of the vicious malware that's out there. Uh, we have a lot of Linux viewers. What, what do we do, and, and is there something that we need to do? Are there threats out there that can affect us? Well, um, the biggest threat to Linux users uh, and all users of all operating systems is uh, our phishing scams, which are basically just electronic communications uh, sent to users that trick normal users into clicking something or typing in uh, personal information uh, and stuff like that. They appear to be coming from legitimate sources like your bank or a video game or, or airline, but in reality, they're just masks that are used... Uh, by these cyber criminals to steal your information, um, and they send these through through email. Um, you'll see a lot of them on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, sometimes you even see them in video games like uh, like RuneScape, where people will try to get other people to to click on a link to really? to show a certain special something. You know, yeah, last for their credentials. I've received emails in the past. I'm, I'm sure Sasha have probably seen them. You've probably seen yeah. them at home, where it looks like. A legitimate PayPal email or a legitimate email from my bank or my mm -hmm. phone provider. Uh, UPS is another uh, one that we see a lot of here in Canada. Uh, our shipping provider. Uh, there, there are lots of those kinds of things go, that go around. Why? What makes people create these emails? What's in it for them that they would create a fake version of PayPal, for example? Well, it really depends on how how intricate uh, the scam is. It could be from just a normal user who wants to steal other people's passwords and usernames to entire criminal organizations that want to steal your money, they want your personal information, your credit card numbers, social security numbers, anything they can to sell them on the black market. Wow. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's a dangerous, dangerous uh, thing. So for, for those viewers who are not familiar with phishing, uh, what it is basically is, uh, it's like Adam is saying, a way for you to get tricked as an end user into providing information that gives them ways into your accounts, ways to access your data, your bank account information, maybe your social media accounts. 
And and one of the dangers, I think, Adam, is that a lot of people use the same password across multiple platforms. Mm -hmm. And so if I am able to hack Joe Blow's website where I used my same password as I did on Twitter, now all of a sudden they've got access to my Twitter account as well. Exactly. And they'll use that account to spread even more of uh, their scams. They, they hijack accounts on Facebook, on Twitter, mm -hmm. and they, they use them to spread even more malware. Now, what do you do as anti-malware man to, <laughs> to help stop I, right. this? I mean, obviously there's, there's letting people know and, and go, coming on shows like this and, and just education, public education, understanding what the threat is because it affects Mac users, it affects Linux users, it affects Windows users. Uh, what is it that, uh, that you do to help uh, to protect uh, end users? Information is probably the best weapon against these type of attacks. Um, phishing has been around for almost 20 years, and it hasn't changed a whole lot in how it's been done, except the different mediums it's using. Um, and that means that the cyber criminals are obvi obviously, it's working for them. And, uh, and that's a problem. And, and because phishing exploit a vulnerability in, a, in an operating system, it, it exploits the human mind and it, it tricks people and it, people fall for their, their hands. Um, and it's been happening for years. Um, I'd say almost the entirety of, of human existence that people have been fooling other people to give them what they want. Mm. So being able to, to patch that uh, from, from an anti-malware point of view is to just try to teach people as much as we possibly can about how themselves, how they can protect their families. And that usually involves being a, a bit paranoid, but never really trusting anything unless you are absolutely positive of it. And even still, in some cases, that doesn't matter anymore because uh, there are ways to, to mask an email to make it appear that it's coming from a legitimate source. Uh, right. Your look like it's legitimate, especially um, with the, the shortened down URLs that you see on Twitter and things like that. It's really hard to tell exactly going when you click that link um so the best thing is to, is to look over probably if, if there's a link involved mm -hmm. uh so that you you scroll over where it's going take attention to the email and make sure that it looks legitimate um always look for a security certificate and right. and things like that um, don't trust anything uh that asks you to give you its personal information uh especially if you didn't ask for it Right, and that, that that's a good point, and and I'm sorry we we do have a little bit of audio break up there, Adam, and Adam's just explaining about the dangers and and how these kinds of things can trick you into thinking that they're legitimate. For example, PayPal sends you an email and it says we're going to be uh, locking down your account if you don't log in today, and so you see the link and it says www or https colon slash slash paypal dot com slash whatever. And you think it's legitimate, and so you trust it, and so you click on it, but it actually is, takes you somewhere else. Is it too late once you click on it, or do you have to enter information? Right? Like, at what point? Sorry, that what's that Phishing has expanded a bit. When you might see a link like that in an email or something like that, and you might get taken to a form or, or some sort of page that asks you for information, a lot of times what we're seeing lately is that it'll take you to a page with an exploit pack attached to it sure. that'll exploit a vulnerability in your browser, especially for Windows users, and uh, infect your computer with malware. Especially so, for Windows users. Especially for Windows users. Putting that out there. So right at the beginning, <laughs> as soon as you click, and it, that's on social media as well, like on Facebook and on... Yeah, yeah. 
But um, the flashback malware that was going around for Macs not too long ago mm-hmm. was the same way it was spreading. It would exploit people's computers. Uh, right. Yeah, so the- things like that. It's, it's really simplistic in how it's done, um, and it's very scary and very real. Right. So the, the danger or the, the way to test these things isn't to click on the link because then that might actually already have exploited you, installed something like a keylogger that all of a sudden can track when you type in your credit card or banking information. Exactly. Uh, so by mousing over, hovering over, you know, when you hover over any link, mm-hmm. it will pop out a little text that shows what the actual link is, the full-length link. So oh, okay. if it's http colon slash slash www dot something dot com slash paypal dot com to make you think that it's paypal it's not actually paypal right Right. okay that's kind of one of the ways that they tend to do it scroll don't click yeah (laughs) that's copy the link for the copy the url for the link and put it into a into google or something like that and see if someone else has already fallen for this and said this is a fishing site. Aware of it? Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. So copy the link, and then you get the actual link. Not just don't highlight it, and then copy Control C because that's going to copy the text, which is the mm-hmm. fake link. What Adam's saying here is actually right-click on it, copy the link location. That's going to get you the real link. Mm-hmm. Don't paste it into your browser, but paste it into Google, and see mm-hmm. if it comes up with any results of somebody saying, "Oh, I did this, and now I got locked out of my bank account, and my dog died, and my wife left me, and..." And this and that. Mm-hmm. Identity exactly. theft. The truth, is, the truth is, your bank will never email you, right? Correct. <laughs> I mean, they're they'll never... They're What's that? Hmm? They'll never ask you to, to plug in their, your credentials or right. anything like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one method that's still going on. has been going on since I was a kid. Uh, and so, it, but obviously it works. I mean, people are still falling for it. It's, it's really surprising. But like I said, you can't catch human brain. I mean, you can try to teach and you can try to inform. But these days, people are even more trusting than they used to be with, with social networking. And, and nobody really cares anymore. So that's why these cyber criminals are, are doing it. They, they're making lots of money. They're succeeding in their, their phishing exploits. Um, and uh, as far as malware bytes, anti-malware users, if you own the pro version, um, we have a web blocking feature, and uh, that's that's updated every day, multiple times a day, with wow. current phishing sites and exploit sites and things like that. So even if you click that link and you're using our product, it will block you actually going there, getting exploited or getting your information stolen. That's good. Fantastic. Now. <laughs> yeah. So it, it boils down to education for users who are not on the Windows platform, just understanding the safety and what you need to do to protect yourself. Because even if you're not able to get those executable Windows exploits, if you click on a link that looks like Facebook, and they do, they look exactly like. Adam, uh, you sent me a, 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 sh- uh, a document that you've written that has some, some great examples of these types of sites. And if you don't mind, I'd like to pull that up on my screen just to demonstrate to the viewers how closely these things resemble um, all these different websites. Yeah, they got very good. Uh, back in the day, you, you might remember emails that were you know, slightly off. They might have the wrong you know, punctuation or spell things incorrectly and, and spot those as being 
this is not right. You know, this isn't real. This is this is a scam. Yeah. Uh, but these days, they could just copy and paste the source code and just into an email or onto a new web page. Right. And I, I think as well. well, we live in a world now where everyone is raised with the internet, and so we've all essentially seen you know we we all kind of have a general and and i don't mean all that's a generalization but a lot of people grow up knowing how to do basic web design knowing how to look at the source code of a website and steal the code and then build a website that looks exactly like it it's dangerous stuff so i'm just that's the easiest sorry that's that's the easiest part of it that's why it makes it possible for for anyone like high school or junior high kids to to be able to and it works right all uh, the way up to cyber criminals yeah no and that's the thing but the biggest concern for me with my with our viewers is just the fact that uh, you're, you're you're just really risking having your information your per, your your person your banking information and everything stolen i really want to bring this up but just give me one moment here um, because I hope to find this in an email that you had sent me a little bit earlier. Here we are. Okay. All right. Unfortunately, I didn't have this uh, up on my screen at the time. Here we are. Okay. So this document that you sent here, Adam, just provides some exceptional information is this what is the licensing of this phishing 101 document which i'd like to bring up on the screen is this something that we can post for our viewers as a resource oh sure it's uh it's the blog malwarebytes unpacked our, our malwarebytes official blog um and i wrote that up Excellent. um all sources are cited on and everything like that but feel free to to post that and i think it's a very valuable resource i wrote it with the intention of our users and anyone else out there to to read it to learn about the threats out there and learn how to protect themselves great thank you adam i I appreciate that and what we're going to do is we're going to actually put this up on in the show notes for episode number 267 this document uh, i mean it's it's excellent what adam has provided here but one of the things that i really wanted to point out is just how real these fake websites can uh, can look look on the left there and that's actually the real tesco website and over on the right here it's asking you to log into tesco but this is a fake website okay so you enter your username and you log into that website and all of a sudden they have your actual username and password and they're able to log into the real website so it's scary stuff and these days it it looks so so real Mm -hmm. the scary stuff for me was the information about facebook when you scroll down and you you hit like if you like something and all of a sudden I mean, I, I've done that a ton of times because I really do like these things. <laughs> <laughs> it looks awesome. Yeah. I'm going to like that. Yeah. So I have That's to like a lot uh, less. So what, what can our viewers do? I mean, if you're certainly, if you're on a Windows platform, we're going to absolutely recommend Malwarebytes. Check it out, malwarebytes.org, and that's spelled B-Y-T-E-S. I'll put up uh, on, the, on the screen there for you, malwarebytes.org, and links in the show notes for episode number 267. Uh, so we know that the product is going to protect you quite well against phishing, malware. What's the difference with malware and phishing for those viewers who are not familiar with the terms? Um as a method of attack uh, it can include malware mm-hmm. uh, and more often than not you'll see you'll see phishing involved in just trying to steal information directly from the browser directly from you um, but there's plenty of phishing attacks that also employ malware either with uh, the drive-by exploit type 
thing I was talking about, yeah. or they'll actually attach the malware to the email. Um, recently, we saw an email that, that was going around that looked like a British Airways itinerary. It looked exactly like one, mm -hmm. and it had an attachment that said, this is the itinerary oh, uh, wow. for you to save and, and print out or whatever. And when you clicked on it and you opened it, um, it was malware. It's actually a, a botnet malware that was similar to Zeus or, or SpyEye. So it was, it was pretty dangerous, and it was pretty, you know, pretty stinky. <laughs> and virus scanners don't often pick this stuff up, right? Because it's a different classification of malicious software. A virus is a virus, and malware is a, a different a different type of thing. Well, malware malware and virus can be can go hand in hand sometimes, but malware usually involves a lot more than just just what a virus could do with easy destructive. Um, malware involves things like like ransomware malware that'll that'll hijack your whole computer and make you pay a fine, or oh, wow. um, fake spyware, fake uh, anti-spyware type program that might tell you that you're infected with things, and if you pay them, then then they'll get rid of it for you. When in reality, you're not infected with anything. There. Right, other so than the very really, software. Mm -hmm. That's that's where that's where the malware comes in uh, in play. As far as protecting from phishing from a software point of view. The numerous products out there that have said we can block phishing and, and things like that. And the best thing to do, um, if, if you can categorize them as spam or categorize, I mean, that's a lot of, it's very helpful. Mm -hmm. But uh, really, it just comes down to being aware of what you're clicking on. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's probably the, the biggest to learn. And, and it's not just email anymore. Like I said, it's Facebook, it's, it's Skype, uh, like we're using right now. Um, recently, a malware was spread via Skype. The, right. the message they use, which said, lol, is this you? Question mark in right. a link. Yeah, and, and you see that one on Facebook and Twitter as well. Oh. Exactly. If I see that, my instinct is to click on that to make sure it's me or not me. Hmm. Yeah. And, and if I did that, I'd get exploited by malware. And mm. is there an easy way to go back? Or once you've clicked that, you're done? You like If, it's, if you're infected, you're infected. Yeah. Um, luckily, our product, we, we do have updates almost every few hours. I mean, so quickly, we, we find malware, we uh, categorize it, we make definitions for it, and we get it out as fast as possible. Um, there's okay. been plenty of occasions when malware by any malware has, has detected what we call zero-hour malware, which is just brand new, no one's detected, mm -hmm. and we usually detect a signature we wrote for something else. And I think that's part of what makes malware bytes, you know, it gives you such a great reputation is the fact that when everybody else is looking around trying to figure out, oh, I got, I got this infection, how do I get rid of it? You're already there with a fix. And, exactly. uh, and that's just fantastic. So now you mentioned that uh, Phishing 101 was a part of a blog. Is that a, a blog that we can share with our viewers? Because that sounds like a fantastic resource uh, for those yeah. who are interested in learning more about, uh, about phishing and malware. It's blog.malwarebytes.org. It's called Malwarebytes Unpacked. Um, I'm the main contributor for that, but we also have other of our, our research people, um, our management developers who write on there and, uh, and write posts, um, pretty much teaching anyone about, about the computer security world, about uh, development, about our company. Uh, and we have, we have posts on there about phishing, about ransomware, about um, remote access Trojans, which have mm -hmm. made a lot of a lot of noise lately, especially in the uh, international cybercrime world. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we write one every single week, sometimes more. And uh, it's a good resource to, to keep yourself informed and updated with what's what the new threat is or how to protect yourself from old threats. That's which fantastic. You'd be, I don't know how to do. 
Well, so bookmark that. It's blog.malwarebytes.org. Um, so you can see malwarebytes.org down at the lower part of your screen there. Just add blog dot to the beginning of that. Adam, thank you so much for being on the show. Now, we love your product. We're going to give a couple of pro uh, copies of the product away. Uh, one to our chat room. We've got some ballots for uh, local viewers as well that we're, we're going to do that. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, anti-malware man. Thanks for sticking up for uh, us novice thank users. You. There you go. Protecting the web. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a superhero would do. That's right. <laughs> Adam, is, uh, Adam is in the chat room, and uh, if you have questions for him and you're watching live, feel free to, uh, to chat with him there. But also, uh, pop us an email, and, uh, and we'll be able to uh, forward on your messages to him. Adam, thanks a lot, man, and uh, all, right. all the best. Malwarebytes.org, check them out, and uh, definitely you want to go grab yourself a download of that. Uh, there's the free version and the professional version. As he was saying, uh, the, free, uh, the professional version offers you some exceptional uh, real-time protection as well. Uh, so, all right. So we've got uh, a couple of copies of Malwarebytes lifetime professional licenses to give away. Uh, if you want to grab that uh, bin of ballots, there. Oh, here we are. All right. Da, 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 so get your ballots ready. If you were at our fifth anniversary show, here you go. This is your chance to win a free copy of Malwarebytes, which we were just talking about with Anti Malware Man. All right. The winner got? is. Eight six five six eight four. All right, eight six five six eight four. You are a winner of Malware Bytes lifetime license, and we're going to also give away a, a, a copy to our chat room just before we step into the news here as well. If I can work this with, look at the the skills here <laughs> to work an iPod Touch with Beautiful. Spidey fingers. That's using Spidey it sense just, right there. That's right. All right, so chat room, get ready. Make sure you've got a name. And uh, now, if that was your ballot, all you have to do, and, and for those of you who are in the uh, chat room right now and about to, uh, about to qualify for this, uh, all you have to do is pop us an email live at category5.org.tv, uh, pardon me, <laughs> <laughs> live at category5.tv, and uh, we'll take care of you. I was typing .org at the same time as I was, uh, as I was saying our website address. Can't do that. Excellent. Well, yeah. I get a free pass now there you if go. I <laughs> mess up in the news. All right, chat room, here we go. Drawbot is entering the chat room. Here we go. And our winner tonight is... Dun, 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 dun. Drum roll. GWG. Joining us in the chat room tonight, congratulations. You've got a free copy of Malwarebytes, a lifetime license. Thank you so much to our guest tonight, Adam Kujawa, who is anti-malware man from malwarebytes.org. Stick around. We've got lots coming up tonight. We've got your viewer questions just after the news. We're going to take a, uh, a quick look at what, uh, what is going on in the world of news in just a moment. And I'd uh, love to see your questions in the chat room. Uh, pop us an email, live at category5.tv. And we love to interact with you, and uh, we'd love to see you there. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. So, here are the top stories from the Category5.tv newsroom. Americans affected by Hurricane Sandy were unable to access some popular news and commentary websites as power cuts in lower Manhattan knocked several offline. Sites such as the Huffington Post, Gizmodo, and BuzzFeed, along with Gawker media sites, were affected. 
The websites went down early Monday evening as the storm hit. Most turned to different methods of keeping their readers up to date, such as using Twitter or their blogs. The largest U.S. bookseller, Barnes & Noble, says shoppers may have had credit card data stolen after keypads in 63 stores were tampered with. Oh. Yeah. The chain said that a sophisticated criminal effort had planted bugs on one pad in each store. By the 14th of September, Barnes & Noble had disconnected all keypads in its almost 700 stores. The firm says purchases made on its website and on Nook, its e-reader device, were not affected. But if you have shopped at Barnes & Noble retail stores this year, be sure to contact your bank to see if you were affected. Ouch. Nintendo has confirmed that it will lose money on every sale of its Wii U console at, lo at launch. Their president, Satoru Awata, revealed the news after the firm cut its profit forecast. They hope to ultimately make money through add-on sales and by cutting its manufacturing costs at a later stage, but it certainly marks a change in the company's business strategy. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Now's the time to buy. Jeez, they're losing money. <laughs> Crucial. On the other exact opposite uh, side of the scale, here's yeah. the PS3 up on my screen. <laughs> Crucial security information about the Sony PlayStation 3 has been leaked online. Access to the inner workings of the game, access to the inner workings of a game console like the PS3 means people can utilize its huge computing power without restrictions put in place by the manufacturer. For example, the United States Air Force has networked 1,700 PS3s to create a powerful supercomputer. Ooh. But often the unlocking, called jailbreaking, is seen as a means to allow users to play pirated games. The hackers behind the publication of the decryption keys say that they decided to release the information after it was leaked and fell into the hands of hackers who had planned to charge a fee for the code. Hmm. So there you go. Such altruistic hackers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're so nice. Google has announced that Nexus 4 handset and Nexus 10 tablet go on sale in just two weeks in time for Christmas. Yes. The handset can be used as game controller when wirelessly connected to a TV. And Google said that the screen of the Nexus 10 tablet has the world's highest resolution display. What? Be yeah. Better than Apple's impressive retina display? Yep. Hooey. The Nexus 4 smartphone has a new panoramic camera tool called Photosphere, which Google claims is unlike any panorama you have ever seen. They say on their blog you can snap shots up, down, and in every direction to create a stunning 360-degree immersive experience. What? That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> In addition, users will have access to Google Now, which flags up flight alerts, hotel recommendations, and package tracking based on the user's location and the contents of their previous email messages. So, And are you ready for this? Nexus 10 will be able to manage multiple profiles, meaning that the tablet can be shared between more than one person. It's nice. All, yeah. <laughs> That's a huge downfall of the iPad as far as I'm concerned. That's one of the things that drive my wife and I nuts with the iPad is that if she has Facebook, mm -hmm. I can't use Facebook on the iPad because it's her account. I'd have to sign her out, re-end. It just doesn't work. It's so not, there you it's go. It's not intuitive at all. So it's almost 2013, so we'll say it's about time. Definitely. No word yet on how scared Apple is, but we hear that they've fired some of their key staff. So keep watching the news. <laughs> 
Get the full stories at category5.tv slash newsroom. The category5.tv newsroom is researched by Roy W. Nash with contributions by our community of viewers. If you have a new a news story that you think is worthy of on-air mention, email newsroom at category5.tv. For the category5.tv newsroom, I'm Spider Girl. <laughs> Thanks, Sasha. Tonight's show is brought to you in part by Cordery Electric. Uh, visit them at CorderyElectric.com for more information. They're the official electrical company of Category 5 Technology TV. Even through Hurricane Sandy, we had no brownouts or power outages. Thanks to Cordery Electric. They take care, very good care of us. Also, get your free trial of Netflix. It's a one-month free trial, and you'll get all the movies and uh, all the television shows that you can absorb in a full month cat5.tv slash Netflix. Cancel any time. Give it a try. That is Netflix. Hey, that is awesome. All right. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm your host, Spider-Man, Robbie Ferguson. And I am, oh, co-host, Sasha. <laughs> Who am I? Spider-Girl. <laughs> yeah. It's tough, you know, yeah. uh, having split personalities for an evening. I know. And, and I, I have see. no periphery vision. None. Right. <laughs> so I'm like opping the cameras. So if I'm like this, you'll know why. It's tough. It's tough being us. Tough Thanks for tuning stuff. in. I hope you're having fun tonight. Join us in the chat room. I love seeing everybody there. Hey, chat room. You've got some viewer questions. I'd love to. I... Uh, <laughs> I'm seriously. My periphery is nil. <laughs> ah, chat room. There you are. Nice to see you. Excellent. Okay, I do have some viewer questions. <laughs> um, okay, so I have... Hey, Adam. Dareboy58 joining us in the chat room as well. I am or am or I'm. It's hard to tell when there's no <laughs> punctuation. Chas Linux, it's great to see you again. I have you, a... You, Al? Oh. Sorry. Oh. There's just oh. so many yeah. wonderful there are, yeah. friendly faces. Toby, <laughs> good to see you as well. Robert... I Gorzanski, who is uh, Rob Gorzinski, who's believe. Rob Gore in chat room in awesome. the chat room, hey, um, has a question. So hi, Robbie and Sasha. Um, I was hoping you could help me with the situation. Sorry, it's going to be a long one. She loves to receive <laughs> long emails, so Love you know, it. keep, keep them, them coming. coming. Yes, absolutely. Especially if they have um, interesting. Um, like short forms. That oh I, yes, like yes. acronyms and everything. Acronyms. That's what for they like are. For like HDDs and S SDDs and SSDs and yeah, okay. IOSs and that's right. Here we go. All right. Here we go. <laughs> I have a friend who is starting a new business, which I will be helping him out with on the computer side of things. Okay. It will involve three Windows Seven PCs, which over time will need to have a lot of data backed up. Okay. Initially, I was thinking. I was thinking of using a NAS to back up and store the data. Mm -hmm. The main problem with off-the-shelf NAS is getting any with more than four drives is very expensive. So then I thought, why not set up a PC as a NAS server, which will allow for more than four drives and may end up being cheaper than an off-the-shelf NAS. Ideally, this NAS server would run Linux and most likely use Zoron OS 6 and the Windows the Windows type mode. I love that he typed Zoron, and and it was read that way. It's Zoron OS, <laughs> but that just sounds amazing. I love it. Oh well, Zoran. there you go. Zoron. It sounds like another superhero have, name. That's right. Superhero Zoran. name. Zoron. 
save the or day. Or could be a planet. Then, then <laughs> NAS server will need to have redundancy and be able to do automatic backups of the data stored on each of the three Windows PCs. Also, it would need to be able to do backups to external hard drives or DVDs at the end of each month. These would be kept right. off-site okay. on Zoron. What are you backing up to every... DVDs? Uh, yeah, DVDs. Okay. We're going to have a talk about that too. Um, backup to the cloud would also be nice, but not yes. practical for the amount of data that will need to be stored. But so, you're saying DVDs. Yeah. So what do you suggest I use software-wise for the backups mm-hmm. and which is easy to use? Can I also make recommendations with regards to hardware? Well, the next question, is my thinking totally wrong? And do you have any <laughs> suggestions? No, I'm not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not hinting that. I'm just... Um, but... Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, DVDs for backups, it's its so time-consuming that I just fear that it doesn't happen. It, what's the one thing that's really, really true about your backups is if it's difficult, if it's time-consuming, either of those things, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Backups need to be easy, breezy, super simple, super fast, effortless. Mm-hmm. And if they're not those things, they're just not going to get done. It's true. Human nature. That's what's that's the truth of it. Yeah. It has to be just like second nature. It has to be part of your routine and it has to be easy. That's it. Or it doesn't get done. But can you do that within a budget? Can you can do that within a budget? Within a small budget. I mean, you mentioned that a four-drive NAS is going to get pretty expensive, which it is, but... What what is your data worth and is it is it worth it? So I think it's just taking a little bit of a different approach because what we're talking about is setting up one massive server to back up to. So I've got my laptop, I've got my computer, I've got the computer, you know, the kids' computer and this computer and the business computer. And if it's a home business, you've probably got all assortment assortments of personal and business data. And, and you know, once you, get, you start intermixing personal data, it becomes digital pictures, digital videos, uh, st- you know, pictures that mom sent or that are up on Facebook and you save them. All this stuff becomes a part of that. Mm-hmm. So the different approach. Now, see what happens then is you've got five, ten computers all backing up to this one central point, mm-hmm. which sounds fine, but it's still on site. So you have a fire. Right. Or and a it, hurricane. And what was the point? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, any of those, a flood that short circuits stuff. And, you know, there, there are times when a solar flare will just cause an EMP strong enough to cause trouble with all your hard drives, right? Mm-hmm. I think that a different approach... Well, see, because th- my fear there is that you've just got you've got nothing if if a fire happens. So offsite is a good idea, but you're already backing up onsite. Why why are we backing up onsite when we should be backing up offsite? So instead, we set up a server that is a storage server, not a backup server necessarily. It's a co- it's not a copy. It is the master data. Okay. But that server has redundancy. So now you've got the ability to use smaller hard drives in your computers because you don't store anything really on your computers. You just use the server. Mm-hmm. Everything's there and there's redundancy. So what happens if you're backing up your computers to a server on site and there's a fire, you lose everything. If you are instead saving your data onto a server that has redundancy, if a hard drive crashes, you still right. have redundancy, which means uh, you just take what? out that hard drive, put in a new hard drive, and you're good to go. Okay. So d- so redundancy means just another copy of all of the information? Mm, more or like a fail-safe, so that if something happens, 
mm-hmm. with the hardware, you don't lose anything. Okay. So then we just need to get it off site, if that Loud. makes sense. Does that make sense for that much? Well, how much data are we talking? DVDs just don't strike me as the right, the right option in any case because it's just too much work. It's too time-consuming, too unreliable. You have very little way of knowing that your data is actually good and that it's going to have longevity. I mean, DVDs degrade over time. Um, they're certainly susceptible to heat and cold and things like that. Mm-hmm. Do you have a recommendation? Well, what if instead, Rob, we had a server on site... I'm just tossing around ideas because this is something that you as kind of like an administrator have to kind of assess what is the best situation. So you've got a server on site that has a few hard drives. We did a feature on what's called Unraid. Um, the free version, you can put in a few hard drives and you don't have to pay anything for the, for the software. You can buy commercial, uh, commercial license for it and you can add more hard drives. Um, I have eight hard drives in my server and I've got a parity drive that allows it to be redundant. So if one of those hard drives crashes, I still have my data. I don't lose anything. In my case, I'm actually bo- backing up that server now to a pogo plug device, uh, which allows me to have that offsite backup. But in your case, it may be large data maybe slow internet, whatever the case is, what if you just got a two terabyte single drive or three terabyte single drive external hard drive? You probably need two of them, realistically. And just set it up so that you have an incremental backup happening from the server once a week. So you have one hard drive that you connect to that server incrementally so that it's, it's basically looking at the image and saying, okay, these are the files that have changed since the last time I ran. Back up all the data from the server. And all the data on the server is all the data of your network. So that's your documents, your pictures. Everything is stored on the server, not on the local computers because computers are too easy to steal. Computers are too easy to, uh, to you know, a single hard drive failure zaps everything. So now you've got a copy on this drive. What do you do? You take that to your safety deposit box or mom and dad's place or whatever and put it into a safe place, bring home the other one and connect it. You've Mm -hmm. got two drives, remember. So now the one that is current up until today is off-site. You've brought home the other one, you've connected it, and it's running the backup. One week later, you take that one and you switch them out. Don't ever have both of them on-site. Have that kind of process. So you're taking it off-site, bringing back the other one, plug it in, let it run a backup. Hmm. The semantics of how to accomplish that are not too tough with a Linux server. You can set up something like an RDIF backup, uh, which would be fantastic, so that you always have redundancy at home or redundancy in the office and an off-site copy that is not the work of DVDs and is not the bandwidth and the price of the cloud, essentially. Okay. that's, that's That's probably how I would approach it. Right. Let me know your thoughts, Robin, and uh, maybe you've got other, uh, you know, thoughts about uh, how you'd like to do it, and I'd be happy to help direct you in the right direction. I was mentioning on Raid. Uh, go to our website, category5.tv, and on there you'll see the show episode matrix, and scroll down, you'll see episode number 103. Somewhere in here. There yeah, we it's go. really hard for me to see. <laughs> You're One, close. Oh, is, is that <laughs> there it? There you are, 103. 103, Unraid Server. It's going to warn you that it's an older episode, but the data is absolutely relevant. Uh, it's going to load up on your screen there. You're going to be able to actually watch that episode. That gives you some good information. I actually built an Unraid Server on the show. And oh. it gives you a really economical way mm-hmm. to build a storage server that has single drive failover redundancy. There you go, Rob. You have okay. homework. 
<laughs> Good luck. I have a question here from Valentine. All right. Born. Hey, Valentine. So it says, "Hi, Robbie. During the last show, I was the one who asked about live streaming for Nash. Thanks for picking oh, okay, up. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for picking up the question. I only noticed a day or two later that I'm not able to watch live. I didn't mean Nash with the standalone player, but the Debian package." browser plugin nash which okay. is able to show youtube flash videos but fails in many other situations it doesn't su- seem to support swf v10 and um, i'm not sure if it would support streaming at all mm-hmm. so would it be possible to stream older flash formats that mm-hmm. hopefully work with nash with your existing providers and your equipment also you said that you could stream og thera Og Theora. Og Theora. Mm-hmm. Um, or WebM. Sure. Different formats, different codecs for web okay. streaming. Okay. The, so what is happening here is he's using a, an open source alternative to Flash. Okay. Flash Player. You know Flash Player mm-hmm. that lets you watch things like Category 5 TV mm-hmm. online. Okay. The problem is, um, he, here's the issue, uh, and the technology is a little different, right? Because what Nash has done is they've reverse engineered Flash so that they can create something that is freely available and is open source. That's my understanding. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the GNU project, and you know they do great work. But the fact is, is it's still not Flash. So when you say that it's not compatible with SWF 10, uh, 10 that's the version of Flash, mm-hmm. version 10, Unfortunately, that just ties your hands. I mean, to think that you're limited to something that's only compatible with version 9 or below. Mm-hmm. I, do, I can't stream anything in version 9 anymore. Okay. I don't have providers that will offer that to us. YouTube is great because as a fallback, they offer HTML5. So if you don't have a player that will support their version of Flash, it will play via HTML5, and it's, it's golden. It auto-detects and plays the the proper one. Our website does the same. If you have Flash, it's going to play it through a Flash player. If you don't, it's going to uh, play by HTML5. Our mobile player plays all uh, H.264 so that uh, it's compatible with your devices. I I think the the tough situation is, I mean, I don't know your scenario, your situation, why you're really keen on wanting to use Nash and only Nash, but the fact is... I'm not the kind of person... I I do my absolute best to support open source, to use open source, and to to keep with, you know, the the mentality, the the community aspect of open source software. But I'm also realistic in that Adobe has provided the Flash plugin, and it's available for free. It's not... You don't have to pay for it. It's not open source, but it's available, much like the NVIDIA drivers uh, and things like that. So if, unfortunately, the open source version doesn't have what I need, I'm really limiting myself if I don't just say, well, I hate to do it, but I'm going to install the Adobe Flash plugin non-free, which is what I would do in that scenario. Excellent. And I know some people are really, really keen. They, they want only open source. But, uh, but sometimes it can be limiting, and that's a choice that you make. And unfortunately... It's not something that I have the power to change because you're using something that's limiting you to an old software, uh, old version of Flash, and everything is version 10 or 11. So 
um, that's that's the scenario. So you can watch the pre-recorded, but watching live, you're limited to our stream providers, which are Justin.tv and uh, Ustream.tv, which I believe both require uh, Flash version 10 or better. Mm. So there that's that's go. the scenario. Sorry, man. All right. I have a picture here from Raffer. A it picture. Here you see me with the Eco Alkalines. I won in your five-year anniversary show. Awesome. Thanks again for the nice show. Keep up the good work. Oh, I got to bring this up. Bring up the picture. All right. I'm getting there. All right. There it is. Real life known as Multi. Raffer. Here we go. Saving your picture now. Bringing it up. Here we go. Raffer was in the chat room. Drawbot said, you know what? I like Raffer. I'm going to pick Raffer today. Congratulations. There you go. Excellent. From uh, Germany, I believe. Did he mention? He did. He say where he's from. Do 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 do. Raffer in real life known as Multi. That's what he said. Not a clue. There you go. The Eco Alkalines one year supply sent out to our uh, our viewer Raffer. So great to uh, to receive that. Thank you so much for sending that in. Um, and it's such a such a pleasure to to see so many viewers from all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. Have you brought up our viewer location map lately? It's so intriguing to see where it everybody's watching from. It blows my mind. I have to You say. guys are all amazing. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're sitting here up in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and it just blows our mind that, the, okay, this is our live viewer location map. So this is, this is the United it States. Wonderful to see everybody, even through the, the storm that oh, yeah. you have experienced this week. People are still tuning in. Do we have anybody in Jamaica? I would like to be in Jamaica. This is why I ask. <laughs> You're going to test my geography. Where, where do I actually... <laughs> south. South of here? Um, no. Really? No. <laughs> Maybe I should it's hard. We, we can't... There's people in Florida. It's warm. There we go. Well. Florida, I could go there. How far south do we go for Jamaica? See who I can go visit. Oh, there we go. There it is. Oh, there we go. So we have one viewer, uh, or at least uh, one group of viewers in Kingston, Jamaica. So wonderful to have you here. Excellent. I'll come visit. You heard her. (laughs) But that's what it looks like, folks. And you can see that on our website, category5.tv. That's our viewer location map. This is accurate data for the last 30 days. And just uh, awesome to see everybody. Our growing viewership uh, in China as well. Wow. Even uh, South Korea. I mean, just fantastic. We love to receive, uh, I mean, we mentioned your, our postcards. We do love to receive postcards. We love to receive your emails, even if you just want to say hi and let us know what you think of the show, what you're, uh, what you're getting from the show. And if you haven't already done so, register on our website as a registered viewer. Uh, one of the very, very cool things is being able to participate as a registered viewer. You are collecting viewer points that are going to be visible to you very, very soon, which allow you to participate in contests that are not available to non-registered guest viewers. Win stuff. Win stuff. We've done contests such as Click Race, where the viewers, you you have to sit there, click in your mouse, click, 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 and it's a race live on the air of viewers. And we can see the progress, (laughs) and whoever clicks the most times wins the prize. 
I love it. But you've got to be a registered viewer to participate in that kind of crazy thing. Register. Everybody, register. Behind the scenes, bloopers, um, all that kind of stuff. It's all for registered viewers. And all you have to do is go to our website, category5.tv. Up here, go to log in or register and click on register now. And it's just a quick little form. We don't spam you. We don't share your information. Our privacy policy is listed on the website. Uh, but we'd love to have you as a part of our registered community. And uh, then we can continue to provide some really interesting uh, and exciting things uh, specifically to our viewers. Our, our photo gallery is another thing. High-res photos that uh, we post on a regular basis. Do we have time for some more questions? I think we have time for perhaps one or two. Okay. I have a question from Carol. Hey, Carol. Carol says, I'm trying to print this calendar from Firefox with the little print icon on the page, but it doesn't look the same when it prints. How can I get it to print properly? Oh, and there's a link. There is a link. Let's take a look. I still have got email open. That's perfect. Okay. Okay. There. Okay. So. It's all loaded up. So it's a it's a calendar, and she said she's clicking on the icon, and that's printing out the calendar for you. So there you go. So. I don't have a printer connected here, but what would happen is you get your printer dialog. In Firefox, there are a couple of different things that could cause printing to be a little bit off from what you see on your screen. The first one, and most obvious to me, is that by default, Firefox is set to not print back background colors okay. and background images. So when you look at something like this, you see that it has like a brown kind of background. Each event has a different color that you've color-coded. So if you want to print that in Firefox, you absolutely must turn on background printing. And this goes for other browsers as well, Internet Explorer, uh, Chrome, Chromium. Uh, make sure you turn on background printing if things are coming out, it, if it just looks like a grid. That would be the first thing that I would check, and that seems obvious to me right off the bat. And the other thing, of course, is uh, printer scaling. Just make sure that it's print uh, set to fit to page, mm -hmm. which is a very, very cool feature of the modern browser because back in the day we used to have the trouble where okay if the calendar was this big and my page is only this big it's going to get cut off you remember spreadsheets were dreadful right right you tape them together yeah so now with <laughs> exactly it's like you needed one of those printers with the with the corrugated paper yeah um, so now you can use fit to page in your browser which is amazing because it will take that if it's a little bit too big or a little bit too small it will scale it to reach the, the margins that are available on your printer. So those would be the two things that I would double check. So. And you can print up your calendar, post it on the fridge, and know what you're doing on Tuesday. Perfect. Watching the show. That's right. Of course. Where <laughs> else can you see this? <laughs> Spider-Man and Spider-Girl hosting Category 5 Technology TV for episode number 267. Can you believe One. we're season six? Wowzers. I know. Six. I have one more quick question. All right. Love Jebster from Hayden, Idaho. Asks, hey, Jebster. Says, hi, Robbie and Spider-Girl. On episode 266, you showed how to make a mount point for Samba Share, which I set up right after the show, Shiny. Then I tried to set up my documents. Now, was he folder. saying Shiny like awesome, or was he calling me Shiny uh, because of my regular hairstyle? Shiny. So, so I set it up Shiny. Like, that's my new nickname. I like it. <laughs> Shiny it is from now on, everybody. Yeah. No more Robbie. 
shiny man. Then (laughs) I then tried to set up my documents folder as a share with no luck. Can you show me where I went wrong? So... Okay. Oh, yeah. and he's got a, a line from his FS tab. He does. I can yes. see. Uh, see, I can see Sasha's screen here. So it's it's unfair to you because you can't see. But let oh, yeah. me let me bring up the email again. Did I close it this time? Wouldn't that I be did. funny? I think I did. Let's bring it back up. Doesn't take long. I pick good questions because I love to help Jebster. <laughs> Want to give you a hand here? Jebster. Okay. So let's grab the line. I'm going to paste this Jebster into my. Um, Let's paste it into like a text document here. Again, just just to hide your email address. And this is what the show, if you're not familiar with Category 5 Technology TV, and I know that it's a little bit goofy because we're kind of dressed up tonight. Happy Halloween. Um, But uh, the show is really about just helping you with your viewer questions. Uh, We love to receive your questions. You can email us live at category5.tv, whether they be Linux-related or uh, we're talking a lot about malware and, and phishing scams and things like that tonight. Uh, with our friend uh, Adam from malwarebytes.org. There are all different types of topics that you can be na- asking questions about. If it has to do with technology, this is the right show for you. Uh, just send in your questions. We'd be happy to help. So Jebster here has created this FS tab line. Okay, so the server that he is mounting from is 192.168.1.4 slash Jebster is the share, and there is a folder called Documents. Make sure that that folder actually has a capital D. Keep that in mind. Home slash Jim slash Documents with a capital D is correct, uh, because that's the default in Linux, um, is the mount point that you're trying to use. Samba file system is good, and we know that you already have SMBFS installed because you said that it worked for the other mount point. You've got your credentials file and everything, and I presume that that's all that all this stuff is copied from the working line that you have in your FS tab. So we have to look at this stuff and figure out, okay, what is going on? So if you can go to smb colon slash slash 192.168.1.4 and then browse to Jebster and browse to Documents, and Documents does indeed have a capital D, then you know that that line is okay. All right? Next one we have to look at is slash home slash Jim slash documents. So that line tells me that you are logged in as the user Jim. And so you just confirm that that's correct. If you bring up terminal, it will tell you what user you are. Bring up your terminal. And the first thing that you see in your terminal, there it is, demo at demo. So demo is the name of my user. And the second demo is the name of the computer. How creative I was when I set up the demo computer. So, Jim, if that's correct, then you've got Documents with a capital D. That is correct, but here's the thing. If you bring up Documents, so you go Places, Documents. See see me? I've got some stuff in there. Do you have things in there? Because if you do, it cannot be used as a mount point. A mount point is an empty folder that's been created that has nothing in it. So, if that's the case, if you have stuff there and you want to be able to mount, turn it into a mount point, you need to move all that stuff out of there pop it, you know, maybe move it over onto the server if you know that the server is reliable. Never move anything until you do. So then when you're done that, when you when you think you've moved everything off of the documents folder, so now the documents folder looks absolutely empty, hit control H, which is going to reveal hidden files. Because in, in your documents folder, every time I open a text document, make some changes and hit save, it creates a backup that's hidden from normal view. But Linux is, is great that way in that you, you have a way to revert. 
Um, but uh, so with Control H, you'll see if there are any hidden files that are within that folder in Documents. So then you can pro probably safely just delete all those, uh, or you can move them off of that folder. And then once it's absolutely empty, try mounting it again. Try your mount dash A with sudo, so sudo space mount dash A with a space between mount and dash A. And that should work for you. Okay, let me know. It's going to be brilliant because you reboot your computer. If the server is available, you are going to have your documents actually pointing to the server. It's a very, very good scenario, very good way to have yourself set up because if your server has any form of redundancy at all, you're going to have a constant redundant uh, copy of your documents all the time. How perfect is that? All right. Good stuff. Thank you, everybody, for your questions. Sasha, Spider Girl, thank you so much. Lots of fun having you here. Thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I will come back next Halloween. <laughs> now that I have this. There you go. There we go. Oh, but what could we be next year? That's right. We'll oh, just yeah. have to see. We'll I need ideas now. Get it Start started. Start sending them in, folks. Hey, uh, speaking of sending them in, again, live at category5.tv if you want to get your questions into Sasha. And uh, that will be uh, a good way to do it. Pop us a, a note in the chat room. Uh, we'll be hanging about, uh, hanging about for just a little bit uh, after the show. Next week, Eric Kidd is going to be joining me on the show. Don't miss it. It is always a blast having Eric here. And uh, really looking forward to, uh, to November already. I mean, we're looking at our schedule for November. It's, it's I'm going to be shoveling. And there are all these guys here <laughs> in the chat room talking about how hot they are. 30 degree weather. You have no Malaysia. idea. Okay. These are 10,000 watt lights. All right. <laughs> this is a quilt sewn to my chest. And a very thick one at that. It's toasty in here. So yeah. you don't complain. Okay. Thank you also to uh, Adam Pajawa, who joins us from Malwarebytes.org tonight. He's still in the chat room if you have any questions about, uh, about his product. But certainly visit Malwarebytes.org. That's Bytes, B-Y-T-E-S. Thanks, everybody. And I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll talk to you next week. Don't forget to register on our site this week. And uh, then you can participate that way. Hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Your head like you're hanging more.
Yeah. Framing. Good, good. Okay, go ahead. I want to make sure that you don't see that cable. So if I'm like that. Uh oh, I have to get further back then. Just thought I'd like that. It's like a zoom thing. There we go, that's good. So it looks like you're hanging, but I don't know how to get you in this side without getting, you know what I mean? Without getting the side stuff in. I'm new. 